0: Welcome to the Teaching with Inquiry Live podcast replay, fitting it all together to make inquiry-based learning accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. Today, since we're still at the beginning of the school year, I wanted to talk about classroom management, and specifically, I want to go over my top six tips for st- and strategies on how you can structure your classroom management so that it meets the needs of all your students and make sure that the entire process is simple and easy and meaningful for both you and your students. So thank you so much for joining me. My name is Patty. I'm a junior teacher in Ontario, Canada, and every Monday night I put out a new video all about teaching in the junior grades. Thank you for joining us, my name is Patty, and I am a teacher in Ontario, Canada and I'm also the teacher blogger behind MathlyLearning.com and I have a new video that comes out every Monday night at 9pm and we talk about all things teaching and learning in the junior grades across the country. We cover things like inquiry, differentiation, split grade teaching, spiraled instruction and so much more about everything that's really impacting teachers in Canadian classrooms. And it is my hope that through these videos, I can help you to see ways that you can fit it all together in a way that is going to be simple, straightforward, and hopefully stress-free. So thanks so much for joining us. Well, we're back into school and we've had a little bit of time to kind of gather our thoughts and maybe we might be feeling a little bit more settled at this point and ready to start thinking about how we are going to manage. Now, regardless of the fact that we might be teaching in different circumstances, classroom management is still going to be a key. We may be having to do things a tad bit differently, but the basis of your classroom management should still remain. So I want to go over tonight the, my top six tips on things you should consider when designing or implementing a classroom management system for your room. So number one, the first and my best tip to any teacher when you're talking about classroom management is confidence. Now, Confidence is something that we can fake it until we make it, and it's going to look different between different people. Some people are confident where they're, they are kind of in your face and they command um, space when they walk into a room, and others other people's confidence is a bit more reserved and a bit more subdued. Both are confident. And you might not necessarily feel confident on the inside but one of the main components of having a successfully run classroom is projecting confidence to others and projecting it in a way that you feel confident in what you are doing. You feel capable that what you're presenting is the best thing that you can be presenting to your students at the time, that your ideas are valid, and that what you are doing is for the best interest of your students and it's good educational value. If you come and approach all of the tasks in your classroom with this level of confidence, then that is step number one because you're not doubting yourself for everything you do. Most of the time students can see that doubt if it is there, if you allow them to see it. So projecting a feeling of confidence or commanding confidence when you are presenting to your students or when you are in front of your students will lay the base work and the foundation for your classroom management. So perhaps you're not feeling so confident. So instead, replace the word confidence with leadership. You in the classroom are the leader. You are there to lead your students. You may not be the one that's directing all of the instruction you may be using an inquiry perspective where it's not a teacher focused classroom but that doesn't mean that students don't need your leadership and having confidence or leadership skills again is where you need to start from a place you need to start from because without it, it you could have the best classroom management program on the face of the earth but it's not going to come across and be as effective if you don't have the base work and foundation of that confident leader. The second thing that is going to be really important for your classroom management is going to be love. And it might sound a little bit weird um, because for a lot of us, we talk about how we love our students, but I'll be completely honest, the love I have for my own children is not going to be the same love I have for my students. I care for my students. And one of the ways that I show them that I care and show them the respect is through getting to know them, understanding their story, understanding who they are, what makes them tick, and it does take a little bit of work, but it is imperative that the student feels cared for. They also feel like in your eyes, they matter, that you like them, that you care for them, and that you are willing to handle and deal with all of the things that come into your classroom with an ounce of care, love, and respect. Now, sometimes you might think that, you know, respect is earned and that you don't necessarily respect all of your students all the time. I think there is a difference between respecting the student and respecting their behavior. Certainly, a student's behavior can drive us crazy and we need to separate that from the child. We also need to acknowledge that we're not necessarily going to have the same care or same level of care for all students. There will be some students, completely honest here, there will be some students that you have a difficult time loving. You have a difficult time to want to get to know them because they do their best to push you away. You need to find somewhere, some redeeming quality in that student that you can attach that feeling to. And you can focus on that while also dealing with all of the other pieces. And you need to give yourself a break that you can't be the person for every single one of your students. And that there will be some students that you become more attached to than others and that's perfectly normal and okay and don't feel guilty if you don't have the same relationship with all of your students. It's totally fine but at the very basic level we do need to show every single one of our students that we know them and that we care for them and that we care about them. Now, one of the best and easiest ways to get to know a student's story is through an activity that I call a million words or less. The parents and guardians of your students know them better than anybody, and they see their students through a certain set of eyes. It is important as teachers, in order to get to know the student, that we also get to know the student through the eyes of the parent. How does the parent? perceive their child. It might actually be a lot different than the child we see in front of us, whether positive or negative. So through the activity, a million words or less, you simply ask parents in a million words or less to describe their student, and you give them some criteria, whether or not it is Uh, Tell me about their strengths, their needs, the things they're good at, the things they need to improve upon. You can structure it if you feel like you want parents to specifically talk about certain domains or areas for their child, or you can leave it completely open. This is extremely valuable for the teacher to get to know their background and their story, the things that maybe other teachers might not be able to tell you. So the Million Words or Less activity really does cut down for me on all the different places I need to look. It's a very quick activity that parents can do and you get a lot of information. And the first time you need to contact that parent, it also gives you a frame of reference in terms of how that parent sees their child and how you would then approach that conversation as well. But by getting to know your students and knowing their stories, it allows you to know something about them, it allows you to connect with them, and to see them as more than just the academic learner that happens to be in your room, but it helps to round out the view to see them more as a whole person, which is really important, and we want to get that done as quickly as possible, and The Million Words or Less certainly does help with that. You can also have A Million Words or Less as an activity that you assign to your students to describe themselves. And this would give you an additional insight into how they themselves see the world and the world around them. My third tip for classroom management and again we're still not even talking about the actual systems that you put in place these is the this is the foundation, the groundwork that has to be there, has to be in place because there's so many different systems that are going to work, but what you really need is you have to have that foundation in which that system can live. Otherwise, no matter what system you have, it's going to fall apart. So the third is that you need some systems. You need to be organized and you need to be consistent and you need to have routines. So looking at what the routines you have in place, how do we line up? How do we eat? How do we hand things in? How do we get a pencil sharpened? When do we go to the bathroom? How do we go to the bathroom? All of those routines this year have definitely changed. But regardless of what year you're teaching, you still have to have your routines. One of the easiest and best ways that I have found to keep myself organized is to actually write out all of my routines on paper for myself. Because if I am super organized, And I am able to write out and think through all of these routines before I try to implement them with my students. I can catch where there might be some issues. I can plan out some things ahead of time. And then when I present it to my students, I know it. And it's written down. So then I can present it to my students with a bit more confidence. I'm not just making it up on the spot as I'm going along or coming up with systems and organizations. But I'm going to write it down step by step. Those systems and processes that you are going to have in your classroom are going to allow your students to understand how things work and make sure that everybody is on the same page. When everybody is on the same page, both you and your students at how things are supposed to work ideally, then it is much easier to talk to students about where they went wrong and what the expected behavior is because you've talked about it. You've walked through it, you've practiced it, everybody knows it, everybody's on the same page. It will reduce some of the friction later on. Number four for my tip for classroom management, and now we're gonna get to start to talk about systems. So the classroom management systems that you might put into place, some are great, some are not so great. Some sound really great and they're easy to implement but actually have some hidden consequences that you should be aware of. So number four on my list is to choose classroom management programs that offer opportunities for collaboration, not competition. Now here is the thing. There are so many classroom management situations where students are earning something like points or classroom bucks um, or other things that they could be earning, whether it's a clip chart or something, Anytime a student is rated or they have a measure in which to compare themselves with another student, you need to be extremely careful with that type of system. When a student can compare their results or their behavior to another student, number one, there's some issues there with privacy. And number two, you also have a demoralizing effect on the students that are starting at a different starting point. So let me give you an example. My very first year teaching, I used a classroom management strategy where I had a pocket chart, and every student had three colors, green, yellow, and red. And we also had blue and purple as well. So they had different cards, and everyone started on green. When they made great choices, they moved up to blue and purple. When they made poor choices, they moved down to yellow and red. Red would require a telephone call with your parents. Yellow was a small consequence in the classroom. It was displayed on my front board and every student could see it. I, as the teacher, thought, well, isn't this great? A student that's on yellow will see how hard they need to work in order to get back to green. They will realize how close they are to red and avoid the negative consequence and in turn work towards staying on green. What I didn't realize my first year of teaching was that there are some students in my classroom were staying on green was a tremendous feat and accomplishment because they may have had attention difficulties or they may have had auditory processing issues or they may have been really impulsive and had to speak out and blurt and they had, couldn't sit still and they would just get up out of their seats. Or maybe they didn't participate, maybe they didn't put up their hand or have an answer because their processing skills and working memory skills were not at the norm within the average range. So those students had to work twice as hard as some other students that could easily show up, do the bare minimum, stay on green, and probably with a little bit of effort would be able to move up to purple and blue. One system compared two students that were not dealing with the same set of circumstances that were impacting their ability to be successful. And this was a problem. What it ended up doing is it ended up splitting my class in two, to the students who could accomplish and to the students who c- couldn't. And the students that were struggling with the system just started struggling more. And then they gave up because it wasn't worth it. They knew they weren't going to be successful because it was so hard for them to be successful that they just gave up. And it ended up a big, huge spiral into not a very successful year. We ended up scrapping that program and working on something differently with a little bit of help from others to figure out why it kind of failed so quickly. Whenever you have a classroom management system where students are able to see themselves and see another student's rating and comparison to another student, this should absolutely be avoided. It's competition. Students, every student in your classroom is not starting at the same starting line. So we need to understand that by using any type of classroom management system that compares our students at, to an equal level. So whether it's giving your students points where it's displayed on a board, or using a clip chart where they move up and down levels, or even using money and classroom reward systems where students are able to see the results of another student. You should be very, very leery of using any type of those systems in your classroom. Instead, you should focus on collaborative classroom management. So if you are using extrinsic motivation tools such as rewards and even consequences, you should really look at using a collaborative approach where groups of students might earn points or a whole class might earn a point when some are successful, that everyone benefits, and I would avoid at all costs any removal of points or any negative consequences that are publicly displayed or any negative consequences that kind of take away privileges from students in the sense that where we are consequencing students for things they can't control making contracts with students, understanding that different students might have different contracts, and really working and instead working from a place of building collaborative uh, communities and building capacity with other students, that's really going to be your best bet. So you want to look at a collaborative classroom management strategy instead of an individualized rewards and consequences type of system. The next thing you wanna look for is easy. We, it is very easy to become, very easy when you're looking for easy, it's very easy to become overwhelmed with complex and complicated behavior management systems for your classroom that Require you to do a ton of the work yourself. This becomes problematic because if you are spending all of your time running a classroom management system, when are you teaching? So try to find a system that doesn't have you constantly looking for different things that you can reward, but perhaps you're looking for certain activities or certain general things at the end of a learning period instead of looking constantly. So if you have physical tickets and you're handing out tickets all day long, that's going to be great initially, but the longevity of that might not last as you might not have the stamina, at least I know I don't have the stamina, to be constantly handing out tickets and rewards to students because they're doing something. Now, you might want to use a system that I have used in the past and call it a referee. Now, a referee is where you actually put the hand this in the hands of students, the responsibility to nominate a peer or classmate that has done an excellent job, and you use a referee. So, if you have goals or different targets that your students are trying to work towards and different behavioral targets that you're trying to get them to work towards, you can assign one of your jobs is to be a referee. Now this referee's job is to look for a student in the classroom that has demonstrated this skill. Now this could be that a student is looking for say a friend and they only reward a friend. Will you do as the teacher have the ability to void the referee or to make it not a public demonstration and to agree or disagree with their nomination, but you can have students recognize somebody else in the classroom that they think has done an excellent job at that particular skill. So if it's raising your hand before talking, if that's a goal that your class needs to improve upon and work on right now, then that would be a great skill that you could put a referee in charge of and they can look for somebody during your lesson who's done a great job at putting up their hand before they talk out and they can be recognized and they can pick a prize out of the prize bin or earn a special privilege in the class or you can decide that as a as a whole class what those privileges are going to be but that is something that you can do to help reward some students in a way that might not be as complicated for you constantly being the one to look after them. I think one of the simplest ways to look at classroom management is to focus on goals. So what are the things that your class is struggling with at the moment and focus on those, tell them that you're focusing on them, talk about what it is you're looking for, how they can do it and looking at um, whether or not you can get them to start doing that more often. You can track it as well. versus how many times it's happening when it's not happening. Um, There's different ways to do that, but I would really look at keeping goals being really simple and easy. I also do like using a scorecard. Now, this is not a scorecard for individual students, but it's kind of a a scorecard more so between the whole group and the teacher. So you want your whole group working together to meet the goal. So you're when you have met the goal students will the whole group will get a point for meeting the goal and if students are struggling with meeting the goal it's not an individual frustration so it's not when you know Johnny doesn't put up his hand and blurts out then the class gets consequences but it's after like Johnny and then Steven and then Abby they don't put up their hand then you were say okay I've warned you um, then I'm going to put a point on the opposite side of the scoreboard. Now, if you constantly have the same student doing it over and over again, then that's a completely separate type of um, conversation to have with that student. And this is why my sixth tip is to keep your classroom management program goal focused. So look, don't look for everything because we can't fix everything all at once. We can't focus on perfect behavior all of the time, but there are going to be certain targets at certain times of the years that you want to have students focus on one skill at a time. So that means that you don't have a student that's looking to be achieving perfection. So you have a student that struggles with uh, talking out, but the rest of your class doesn't, and instead the goal is we are going to line up quietly. Well, maybe the student does a great job at that. So if that's the goal, they can be successful because you're really looking for that goal. You're not going to be consequencing everything. You're just looking at rewarding or you're looking at acknowledging people doing that one or two things that really need to be a focus for your class for improvement. So it's not everything. It's not every possible piece of behavior that, you know, you have some students that might not be successful at a lot, but there's one thing they can focus on that can be the goal for that week. So I find that it is easy and it is um, more effective to focus on your goals. Now, this is one of the reasons why I developed the Kudos Club. So Kudos Club is a classroom management program that is collaborative. So it means that all of your students will work together to meet goals that are determined by the class. So you work with your students, you come up with three or four targets, and students will work towards earning Those targets, or like achieving those targets, and when they do, they unlock a mystery prize. So, you have prizes that are attached to each one of the goals, and when students unlock that prize by earning enough points, then they get that prize as a class. Now, there's also the flip side to that is you do have what I like, what I use in my classroom, what I've used in my classroom is called Count Snagit. Now, Count Snagit is the other opposite side of that scoreboard. So the students are working towards getting points. So let's say your goal is to put up your hand before talking out. The students need to get 20 points or 20 check marks on their side of the scoreboard before they earn the prize that's hidden behind that goal. On the flip side, you have count Snagit, which means counts against. So they're the points on the opposite side of the scoreboard. Now count it will take the points when we've just had perhaps a period where we keep forgetting. So when you have one student blurt out, you may remind them. Two students blurt out, you may remind the class. By the third time you've got students blurting out, that is when you, or even the second time, depends on your Patience with the behavior, then Count Snagit would get a point for that, and your students wouldn't. So, the students wouldn't lose any of the points they've earned, but they would, Count Snagit would get a point. Now, if Count Snagit fills his scoreboard, which is smaller than it does, he steals all of their points. So, it's kind of a gamification of your classroom management system, but because it's a whole class reward and all students are working together to earn those rewards and privileges then you can focus on a system that is more collaborative instead of competitive and that allows your students to focus on the goals that are most important to your class at the time. So if you want to learn more about Kudos Club, you can go to www.kudosclub.com, K-U-D-O-S to learn more. Thank you so much for joining me and we will see you next Monday night at 9 p.m. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Inquiry live podcast replay. You can find the links, resources, and more information from today's episode at www.teachingwithinquiry.com. Don't forget, you can always catch this show live on Facebook every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern on the Madly Learning Facebook page. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Inquiry live.